Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise from the singing of the Alleluia verse. So 
and the, the life that Jesus provides for us as a free gift. A free gift. There's nothing we do. We just follow him, right? And that's what we do. And we have God's word today. And we follow him. There's three waters, yeah. This is a little lake that's dried up, and this is the Sea of Galilee, and this is the Dead Sea. And I got to swim in the Dead Sea. A lot of people got to swim in there. Have you ever swam in a Dead Sea? You think you'd like to swim in the Dead Sea? It's kind of hard to swim because you just kind of bob. You float right on top. Yeah, all these different places. Halfway around the world. Halfway around the world. It, who's in the water? Baby shark. Then mama shark, and daddy shark, and grandma shark, and then all the sharks. And grandma shark, all in the water, right? But halfway around the world. And father shark. And you know who's in all the worlds, Lou? Jesus, yes. Jesus is in the whole world. He has come as Savior of the world. And we will follow him and we will praise his name and share his love with other people. Right? All right. Let's say a prayer. Dear Father, thank you for saving the world through your son Jesus. Help us to stay focused and always follow you until we are together with all believers on that last day. Amen. All right. So while I was in Israel, I met very special artist, Shireen was her name, and she drew pictures of many cities in Israel, and there's cities, there's on the back, there's Nazareth, and Jerusalem, and Jericho, and Bethlehem, so I want you to have a bookmark, these are special bookmarks, and you can keep that in your Bible, or you can get a Bible and keep it in there, or keep it in a special book at home. So take one of the cities and have a blessed week. We continue with the sermon in Christ, our true and only life, on page 10.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. New York City. It's the city of glitz and glamour, of wealth and power. It's the capital of capitalism. As Frank Sinatra tells us, it's the city that never sleeps. There's always something going on in New York City. It's lit up bright late into the night and early in the morning. People flock to New York City, not because of any one thing that it has, but just because it's New York. In 2022, an estimated 56 million tourists went to New York City. And I bet all of them, while there, took pictures of the distinctive skyline, maybe even making the trip out to the Statue of Liberty to get that symbol of America in the same shot as the Empire State Building. There's good businessmen in New York City. So tourist traps throughout the whole city sell I Heart NY stickers and pins. New York City is the place to be. Hamilton, Ohio is a little different. Now, I haven't been in Hamilton all that long, but I haven't really noticed any shops selling I Heart Hamilton stickers and pins. We sure have a unique skyline here, but I haven't seen any tourists taking pictures of their chili. There's plenty going on in Hamilton, but the city does sleep. It's not lit up bright like New York is. Someone from New York might even look down on those of us who dwell in lowly Hamilton. Now to the Jews in Jesus' day, Jerusalem was sort of like the New York City of Israel. Even today, and if you've seen Pastor's Water Bottle, you know this to be true, they sell I Heart Jerusalem stickers. Jerusalem is the place to be. Every year, Jews would flock to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Because after all, that is where the temple of God was. God's special presence and his light was in Jerusalem. The holy city on a mountain. It really was the place to be. Now Galilee was a little different. It was a lot closer to the Hamilton, Ohio of Israel. Galilee wasn't really a place you would visit on purpose. Uh, most of the time, you would just end up in Galilee. At least in Jesus' day, that's how it was. There weren't any great pilgrimages to Galilee because there was no temple in Galilee. In fact, so few Jews dwelt in Galilee that it was called Galilee of the Gentiles. If the light of God was there, it was well hidden. Jerusalem was the city on a hill. Galilee was low, by the sea. And compared to Jerusalem, it was dark. No special presence and light of God dwelt there. Those in high and bright Jerusalem looked down on those who dwelt in lowly Galilee. And to top it all off, to give the ones in high Jerusalem just one more reason to hate Galilee, when Israel was sent into exile, Galilee went first. Now sure, 
all of Israel had sinned, but if Galilee was the first sent into exile, they must have been the worst sinners. Their sins must have piled high, a great and stinking heap before God, a stench before the Lord that he could not stand, so he punished Galilee first. Jerusalem was the city of the worthy. Galilee was the place of the worthless. And it's easy to feel like you're dwelling in dark Galilee. Not just because you might be from Hamilton and not New York, but this is a kind of darkness that's inside. It eats away at you. Everyone around you seems to have life figured out. You scroll through social media and you see the best of everyone else's lives, and you can't help but compare it to the worst parts of your own. It's almost like everyone around you is from high Jerusalem, and here you are, living in low and dark Galilee. Now, sure, the people around you might treat you well. They're polite. But maybe you've convinced yourself that you don't really deserve that. Because the people around you, they don't really know you, do they? All that they really know is the face that you show them. You hide behind a mask of politeness, but really you know the truth. Behind your mask, when you take a good, hard, and honest look at yourself, all you can see are your sins, piled high in a stinking heap. You might even tell yourself that the greatest lie you've ever told was convincing everyone that you're a good person. And the truth is, you're not really from Jerusalem. You're just an imposter from low, dark Galilee. Now, if it's easy to feel that way before other people, it's even easier to feel that way before God. God's law is very clear, and God sees your sins. He knows everything that you've done, everything that you've left undone, every thought, word, and deed of which you are ashamed. And God's law condemns sin. It calls you out for the wrong things that you've done. It tears the mask off of your dung heap and exposes your sin for what it is. You are a citizen of Galilee, and your sins have piled so high that you dwell in the darkness of their shade. And God's law cuts through every deception and mask that you can try to hide behind. It sees the truth. So what does this mean for you, you citizen of Galilee? Well, God's law is clear. It must mean judgment. It must mean that God is going to rip the mask off of your sins and expose you for who you really are to all your friends and family. It's what you deserve. Really, you deserve worse. God should pour out the cup of his wrath upon you, just like he did to Galilee. Just like Galilee, you should drink the cup of God's wrath down to the dregs. So, citizen of Galilee, hear the word of the Lord to Galilee. 
Hear what he spoke by the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Thus says the Lord, anguished sinner, God will bring to you not his doom and his gloom, but his glory. He will pour out a cup on you, but it will not be the cup of his wrath. It will be the cup of his blessing. Because God has glorified the first of the exiles, the worst sinners in all of Israel, Galilee of the Gentiles. The prophet Isaiah continues, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. God doesn't let the dark land stay dark. He brings his light, his glorious, wonderful, majestic light into that darkness. Light like that in high Jerusalem, but not like the light in high Jerusalem. New York City is the city of lights. With every single light turned on, it shines brightly in the night for miles. But when the day comes, you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference between all of New York City lights being on and being off. Because every city light in the world pales by comparison to the dawn. And now the dawn has come. The sun has arisen on Galilee. Light has come to Galilee, to you, to lowly sinners who dwelt in darkness. And that day is brighter than any light that was in high Jerusalem. God's light, Matthew tells us, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world, has come to Galilee, to the land of darkness to the land of sinners. He doesn't come to high Jerusalem. He doesn't come to people who have life all figured out. No. Jesus comes to poor, miserable sinners like you and like me. This is where he begins his ministry. He starts in the dark land of the Gentiles. And he doesn't bring his doom and gloom and his judgment he brings his glory to the lands of Zebulun and the lands of Naphtali. God himself has drawn near. And don't think that Jesus doesn't know who he's coming to. The sins of Galilee are not some surprise to him. Jesus knows. 
He is God, after all, and he can see through any mask. He can see through any deception. He knows beforehand the heaps on heaps of sin that Galilee has piled up against him, a stench before the Lord. But Jesus comes there anyway. And he knows your sins, too. You might be able to fool everyone else, but you can't fool God. God knows your sins. Jesus knows your sins. He knows your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. He knows everything you've done and everything you've left undone. He knows even more than you do, not just the sins of which you are ashamed, but every sin that you have forgotten. And he comes to you anyway. He comes to you, and he washes you. He takes the great stinking heap of your sins and washes them all away. He takes your sins from you and carries them himself. He carries your sins throughout the three years of his ministry on earth when he teaches and preaches and heals. And eventually, he carries your sins out of Galilee and into Jerusalem. For it is in Jerusalem that Jesus will be judged. The law of God is clear. Sin must be punished. Justice must be carried out. The wrath of God will fall. God looks down on the world. He sees all things. Every thought, word, and deed. Everything that was done and left undone. All the great stinking heap of sins of the world. And he sees them all on the shoulders of his son. Jesus is nailed to the cross. There is a great weight upon his shoulders. The great and stinking heap. A stench before the Lord. The law of God is clear. Sin was punished. Justice was carried out. The wrath of God fell on Jesus. He drank the cup of God's wrath down to the dregs. He took the full punishment for sin. On that cross, Jesus was rejected by God. Jesus perished for your sin. Jesus, the one who first came to sinners. Now, the Son of God was not the only thing to die that day. When Jesus died, he took all of your sins with him. On that Good Friday, Jesus killed your sins. He dragged them into the grave. The law of God looked at Jesus, saw your sin, and sentenced him to death. Justice is done. God's law has been fulfilled. Now, when God looks at you, what does he see? Well, he doesn't see your sins anymore. He instead sees the righteousness of Christ. The cross is the great reversal. God looks at Jesus and sees all the sins of the world. And now, 
God looks at sinners and sees only the righteousness of Jesus. This is the great exchange. But the story doesn't end there. Because Jesus is the sinless Son of God. So God raised him from the dead three days later. Justice demanded it. All of that righteousness and perfection can't just lay in the grave forever. And that's really good news for you. Because when God looks at you and sees the righteousness of Christ, it's not like the wolves being pulled over God's eyes. God can still see through any lie and deception. When God sees Christ's righteousness in you, it's because Christ's righteousness is there. And Jesus was raised from the dead because he was perfect and righteous before God. Now that righteousness belongs to you. What do you think that means for you when you die? This is why we confess the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting in the words of the Apostles' Creed. It's because Christ's righteousness was given to us, and it's ours, not by any work of our own, but only by the grace of God. And yes, it is still easy to feel like you're living in darkness. It's easy to feel like you're the only citizen of Galilee surrounded by those in high Jerusalem. It's easy to feel worthless. But remember who Christ came to first. Remember that Jesus lived in Galilee of the Gentiles. Remember that on that Good Friday, Jesus took the great stinking heap of your sins and killed them. And also remember that he rose again three days later. And now you have his righteousness. And one day you will join with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, praising God together. Until that day, rest in the peace that the cross of Christ gives and remain steadfast in the hope of the resurrection that Christ's resurrection brings. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds steadfast in the one true faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
pray today over Amy Walls, Mariah Evans, her mother battling cancer. Roxanne Thomas recovering from successful surgery. For Holly Hill, uh, Luke Schwann's daughter battling cancer. For Barb Dawson is in hospice care. For Isaac, that uh, Plumbing's nephew for continued recovery that he may be able to return home. For Susan Carpenter recovering from um, cancer surgery. For the family of Alicia Barbary, a former student who has died. For Carrie Keller, home recovering from foot surgery. Gary Benson, recovering from heart issues. John Bartlett, the nephew of John and Linda Dennett, who's having a kidney transplant. Family of Jane Connolly, a former member of his died. For Diana Upchurch, suffering from complications from juvenile arthritis. And June Hart, a child's grandmother, recovering from a stroke. In peace, let us pray the Lord. For the gifts of life and salvation, that the Lord would make our way glorious for the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the continued proclamation of the cross's power, that from this life-giving tree we would receive the gifts that preserve faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the church's unity in the mind and judgment of Christ, that Almighty God would preserve us from division and fix our eyes on the word of the cross. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For families that our Father in heaven would bless our households with grace and protection, that we might remember him in both joy and trouble and worship before him forever. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord That the Lord, whom all kingship belongs, would rule over the nations for the good of his people. Let us pray to the Lord. For those oppressed by demons, illness, or any other affliction, especially Amy, Roxanne, Holly, Barb, Isaac, Susan, Alasia's family, Carrie, Gary, John, James' family, Diana, and Jude, that the Lord would heal them in body, mind, and soul. Let us pray to the Lord. Repentant and joyful hearts of those who partake of the sacrament this day would rejoice that the kingdom of heaven is at hand in the body and blood of Jesus. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For bold witness before the world that God would open our mouths to speak of the wonders of life and salvation that his Son has worked for us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. O Lord, Heavenly Father, be grateful to your the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb, his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
body and salutary that we should at all times and in all places. Give thanks to the Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him, being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying.
body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you in true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Thank you.